0: Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Christmas is the celebration of a real event, according to most Americans. Just don't expect them to know exactly why Jesus was born, and came to earth. (laughs) A new study from Lifeway Research finds close to three in four Americans believe Jesus was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago. Even more say Jesus is the Son of God the Father. But less than half believe Jesus existed prior to being born on that first Christmas. Quote, Most Americans consider Jesus' birth a historical fact said Scott McConnell. He's the executive director of Lifeway Research, and he said it can be easy to only evaluate Jesus like you would any other historical figure, thinking about when he lived and what he did. However, the Bible also describes Jesus in a way that one must evaluate who you believe he was. Most Americans believe in his origin and and that it was from the from God the Father. But half as many believe He existed before His birth. More than 9 in 10 Americans, 91%, celebrate Christmas, according to a previous LifeWay research study that was actually released a little earlier this year. For most of those celebrating, Christmas is about a historical occurrence. More than 7 in 10, 72%, say the Jesus Christ, Christians believe in was born in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago, including 49% who strongly agree, and just a few disagree. 9% disagree, and 18% now they're they're not sure. (laughs) But most Americans, 80% agree Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Father, while 10% disagree and 10% aren't sure. The average person isn't quite as sure about the Son of God's experience prior to Jesus' birth. Around 2 in 5, or 41%, say God's Son existed before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Close to 1 in 3 Americans, 32%, disagree, and 28% say, I'm not sure. Quote, the 2020 State of Theology study showed that 72% of Americans believe there is one true God In three persons God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, philosophies such as those in Isaiah 9 reflect that the Messiah would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. While these titles reflect the Trinity, some Americans do not connect the Jesus born in Bethlehem with the Messiah who already existed as God. Now, just coming in flesh, and this is what McConnell had to say. Now, why Christmas? I mean, Americans aren't always sure what motivates Jesus ascribed to himself and and his and his coming to Earth. When when given seven options, four that are correct and three that are incorrect for reasons the, the Bible records Jesus as saying why he came. Only one choice garnered a small majority. Americans are more likely to choose a correct answer than a false one. Half, 51%, so just over half, 51% say the Bible records Jesus saying that he came to give his life for many, which Jesus does say, of course, in Mark 10, 45, where he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, around three in ten or thirty-one percent of Americans rightly say Jesus came to give life in abundance. And he says, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. John 10 10. And testify the to, to, to truth. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. John 18, 37, obviously. Now, far fewer, only 9% believe the Bible records Jesus saying that he came to bring division rather than peace, despite him making that claim in Luke 12:51. Now, altogether, only 3% of Americans recognized all four options in the list that match biblical quotes from Jesus fewer than 1 in 10 Americans falsely identified other reasons for Jesus coming to to earth so they they put in three things that he didn't say or were actually uh, contrary to what he said and they picked those anyway so 9% believe that Jesus said he came to be served so uh, obviously that's uh, contradicted by a mark 10:45 8% think he said he wanted to abolish the Old Testament uh, and and the prophets which of course is not true uh he didn't come to abolish the Old Testament and the prophets he came to fulfill the Old Testament and of course we we know that from Matthew 5 17 and eight percent say Jesus came to condemn sinners <laughs> we know he didn't come to condemn sinners he came to save them so um here's another quote Despite world, oh, I'm sorry. Despite widespread belief that Jesus really came to Earth as a baby, there is far less familiarity with why Jesus said he came. And this again from from McDonald, from the the Liberty Research Group. Uh, however, the majority of Americans believe Jesus came to give his life for many which is reflected in the angel's words to Joseph in Matthew one twenty one, where he says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So, that begs the question, who is Jesus? Um, Fewer questions could be more relevant around Christmas time, don't you think? Yet, so many don't have a biblical view of who Christ is in relation to the Trinity. So we're, we're not the first to struggle with retaining a biblical view of the Trinity. Trinity is a kind of a, a harder concept to wrap our brains around, um, where where you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together as one. Not three gods, but one God in three different parts. In, in, in the 4th century, a, a group within the church known as the Arians, uh, they, they, um, they also said that there was a time when the sun was, was not, <laughs> not around. Uh, the popularity of this belief so threatened uh, to, the, the, to, to, to divide the unity of the church that our fathers actually gathered at Nicaea and Constantinople in order to put together uh, some things that that would definitely spell this out. With the authority of the church universal, they declared, quote, we believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten from the Father before all time, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not created, of the same essence as the Father, through whom all things came into being. You may have even said that in church at some at some point uh, and recited that. Uh, he 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 was essentially begotten from the Father's divine essence. He is He, he is not from a different essence or a similar essence, both of that uh, would be um, where he would be created into a hierarchy in the Trinity. But rather, as the author of Hebrew says, the sun is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. That's obviously from from the first chapter uh, and third verse. This core concept of Christianity was confessed by the Church Universal for over 1700 years, even as late as... The middle of the twentieth century. c s. Lewis devoted two chapters of mere Christianity to eternal generation. Lewis thought this doctrine was that essential to what it meant to be a a Trinitarian Christian. Now, at that point, though, everything changed. Matthew Barrett writes this. He says, the depth, of change hit me recently when my family was celebrating Advent, and I picked up the Baptist hymnal to sing, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. We probably sung that a million times, right? But verse two, which sings the Nicene Creed, which we were just talking about, confessing the Son as true God of true God, begotten, not made, was missing. I was thankful The Trinity hymnal was nearby, which I snagged just in time to recover verse two. Yet, as we sang, my mind was elsewhere. How many Christians absorb Christmas carols that never teach them who Jesus is apart from a baby born in a manger? Operating from a social trinity, some went so far as to subordinate the Son inserting a functional hierarchy within the imminent life of God from eternity, as if the father is greater is is, is a greater supremacy, glory, and, and authority than the son. These novel ma- ma- maneuvers reveal how far we have drifted from Trinitarian Orthodoxy is what he has to say. And I I, I would totally agree with that. But there is hope. There is hope consider a few days uh, a few ways that we can put the trinitarian christ back into christmas to start when we present the good news this christmas we must not leave the trinity out without the trinity we have no gospel to celebrate we if if we if we don't consider christ as god then he is just a man or at least something less than the almighty god at least right there is no way for him not to have sinned since, since he would not be perfect. The only, only one who is God himself, begotten from the very essence of the Father, is qualified to save a fallen humanity. If he is not the eternal son, the true God of true God, how can he grant us that greatest of all Christmas gifts, and that's, of course, eternal, everlasting life. L- lastly, rather than than resting content with a narrow focus on, on what Christ does, expand your vision to who Christ is. John's gospel is awesome. It, and it says, quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And that's, of course, right there from one verses 1 through 3. Now, John is eager to talk about how, how Christ can save us, but before he does so, he goes back to the beginning and shows us who Christ is, the Word who was not only with God, but also was God. But unless our Savior this Christmas is the great God himself, the one who descends into our darkest and our our darkest, and, and, and out of the glory of this everlasting light, we will never enjoy the blessedness and the bliss of this this just beautiful vision. So what is the real meaning of Christmas? The answer may just surprise you. John MacArthur says, For many, Christmas is the time to think of Jesus as a baby in a manger. While the birth of Christ is a special and miraculous event, It isn't the primary focus. The central truth of the Christmas story is this. The child of Christmas is God. Christmas is not about the Savior's infancy. It's about his deity. The humble birth of Jesus Christ was never intended to conceal the reality that that God was being born into the world. But the modern world's version of Christmas does just that. And consequently, for the greater part of humanity, Christmas has no legitimate meaning at all. Uh, I I don't suppose anyone can even fathom what it means for God to be born in a manger. How does one explain the Almighty's stooping to become a tiny infant? Uh, Our minds cannot begin to understand what w- was involved in God's becoming becoming man. Nor can anyone explain how God could become a baby, yet he did. Without forsaking his divine nature or diminishing his deity, he was born into our world as a tiny infant. I, I have given this uh, illustration, uh, even just recently to a class I was teaching. And, um, basically what I did was I handed out Play-Doh to each person <laughs> and I said, okay, go ahead and create a person. So they did. And there, there were some really good ones. I mean, they, they were way better at doing arts and crafts than me, <laughs> I am not. I am not very good at that. But they did great at creating these little people with all with different expressions and and just all kinds of stuff. It was awesome. And after they were done, I said this. I said, "Okay, now, now that you've created this person, go ahead and become Play-Doh yourself." And of course, they looked at me and they <laughs> and, and and I had to explain what I did. And what that was is we are all made out of dirt and dust. That's what God made us. And he, he then breathed life into us and he gave us a soul. And then he didn't stop there because he gave us free will in order to love him. But because we're not perfect, we sinned and we turned away from him. And he literally had to become his creation. He literally like like these these students, he had to become Plato in order to reunite us. He was fully human with all the needs and emotions that that are common to us all. Yet he was also fully God, all wise and all powerful. For nearly 2,000 years, Debate has been raging about who Jesus really is. Cults and skeptics, and now even the prog- the progressive church, have offered various explanations. They'll say that he is one of many gods, a, a created being, a, a high angel, a good teacher, a prophet, and and so on. The common thread of all such theories is that they make Jesus less than God, but The biblical evidence is overwhelming that this child in the manger was the incarnation of God. One passage in particular, uh, written by the Apostle Paul, captures the essence of Jesus' divine nature and underscores the truths that make Christmas truly wonderful. And it's Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, and it says this. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For all things have been created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all, the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Paul was writing to the Christians of Colossae. The city was under the influence of what came to be known as Gnosticism, uh, spelled with a G, by the way, for those that are spelling impaired. <laughs> it, its inheritance um, uh, fancied themselves the, the, the only ones who had access to the truth, which they believed was so complex that common people couldn't know it. <laughs> Among other things, they taught uh, philosophical dualism, the, the idea that matter is evil and spirit is good. And they they believed that because God is spirit, well he's good, but he could never touch matter because it's evil. Therefore, they also concluded that God couldn't be the creator of the physical uniform, universe because if God made matter, he would be responsible for evil. And they taught that God could never become a man because as a man, he would have to dwell in a body made of evil matter, right? Those pre-Gnostics explained away the incarnation by saying that Jesus was a good angel whose body was only an illusion. <laughs> that teaching and others like it, um, it, it pervaded the early church. Many of the, the New Testament apostles, especially uh, special specifically refuted pre-Gnostic ideas. In fact, the Apostle John attacked the foundation of Gnostic teaching when he wrote, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's 1 John 4.2. The Apostle Paul refutes the same uh, heresy, when he wrote, "...by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and for him." For, that's 1st that's, uh, uh, chapter 16. He specifically affirmed that Jesus is God in the flesh, the creator of everything. Hebrews 1 parallels Colossians 1 and uh, 15 through 20, at, at, a, at a number of key points regarding the statement that Christ is the image of God, for example. Hebrews 1 3 makes an, an identical affirmation. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Christ is to God as the warm brilliance of light is to the sun. He brings God from the co- uh, cosmic location to the very hearts of men and women. He gives light and life. He reveals God's very essence. They cannot be divided, and neither has has ever existed without the other. They are one, John 10 30. Scripture repeatedly says, that God is invisible. John 1, uh, John 5, 1 Timothy 1, and Colossians 1, 15. Uh, But but through Christ, the invisible God has been made visible. God's full likeness is revealed in him. Colossians 1, 19 takes the, the truth a step further even when it says, it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. He is not just an outline of God. He is fully God. Colossians 2.9 is even more explicit when it says, In him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Nothing is lacking. No attribute is absent. He is God in the fullest possible sense. The perfect image. In, in Colossians 1.15, Paul says Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Those who reject the deity of Christ have have made much of this phrase, assuming it means that Jesus was a created being or something, right? But the word translated firstborn describes Jesus' rank, not his origin. The firstborn in a Hebrew family was the heir, the ranking one, the one who had the right of inheritance. And in a royal family, he had the right to rule. So so Christ is the one who inherits all creation and the right to rule over it. It doesn't mean that he was born first uh, in, in, in an order or something. He wasn't. In in Psalm 89, 27, God says of David, I also shall make him my firstborn, the highest of the king of the earth. There The meaning of firstborn is given in plain language, the highest of the kings of the earth. That's what firstborn means. Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, just like Revelation 17, 16 says. Now, Hebrews 1, uh, again, has a parallel statement. Verse 2 says, God has appointed his son heir of all things. He is the primary one, the son who has the right to the inheritance, the the ranking person and the Lord of all, heir of all creation. The claim that firstborn means Christ is a created being completely ignores the context of Colossians 1.15. Remember, you've already seen verses 16 and 17 explicitly name him as creator of everything. Christ is not part of the creation. He is the creator, the very arm of God, active from the beginning in calling the universe and all creatures into existence. He literally did it with his mouth. He didn't do it with his hands. He literally spoke it into existence. John 1 3 says, All things came into being from him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being that could not be true if he were. Himself, a created being, right? Hebrews one two also identifies Christ as the Creator. Christ was the Person of the Trinity, through whom the world was made, and for whom it was fashioned. The size of the universe is incomprehensible. Who made all that? Some scientists say that that it was a big bang or an explosion that eventually formed a you know primordial swamp and well scientists can't explain it, right? God created it all. Who? The little baby that was born in Bethlehem made everything. And this is the meaning of Christmas. Christ is the meaning of Christmas. He did the impossible. And now we have a way to be reunited with him for all of eternity. And that's what Christmas is about. And you may agree with me. You may disagree with me. Definitely love to talk to you on this. And you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.